Hey everybody, before we get started, I just wanted to apologize about the uh, audio quality of this episode. It, it's not going to be up to the typical standards that you're used to. Our guest was just having some difficulties being able to shut off the vibration feature of his phone. However, the content is more than there, and I think you're really going to appreciate this one. We talk about uh, a particular topic that you don't really get a chance to hear about from anywhere else, um, so I, I know you'll still appreciate the content. Also, while I have you here, I just want to remind you to please send your story to us, your testimony, your encounter with uh, the divine, your New Age of Christianity testimony, uh, your miracle, miracle healing. Really, the list is pretty extensive. Anything that strengthened your faith in God or led you to God, please send your uh, video or story to spiritanswerspodcast at gmail.com. We can't do this without you, and I really, really appreciate it. I hope you enjoy this episode, and I will see you on the other side. Thanks. What's the difference between a ghost and a demon? We have author Mark Hunneman on to discuss that topic and more on this week's Spirit Answers podcast. All right, well, today I'm so excited to have on Spirit Answers podcast Mark Hunneman. And he's the author of the book here. Try to get it up in the in the camera. Seeing ghosts through God's eyes, and he has a subtitle on here: uh, a worldview analysis of earthbound spirits. Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Alex. It's a real honor and privilege. Uh, I'm excited, and I thank you. Uh, no problem. Thank you, Mark. And um, also on the on the cover you have here, I think this is a good description of of the book at large. It says. Uh, comprehensive and compelling new paranormal and scientific evidence that answers beyond a reasonable doubt the question of whether ghosts exist. So, Mark, in a nutshell, can you kind of uh, explain to us why the interest in ghosts? Well, it uh, it's not been a long time, or I should say lifetime interest. It, mm-hmm. To make a long story short, mm-hmm. I uh, about... 15 years ago, I had serious heart problems. And uh, so while I was recovering, Alex, I, um, you know, spent time laying on the couch and watching uh, a bunch of TV and whatnot. And I was uh, turning the channel, channel surfing, and I was astonished at the number of paranormal shows, whether it was, you know, about, about ghost hunting or vampires or um, you know, this, that, and the other, but the ones that really caught my eyes were the, the number of ghost hunting and, and ghost related shows like Ghost Whisperer back in the day and Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventurers, and then the ones in England. And, you know, just um, without blabbering on, the, the, the reason is that I saw that there was a plethora of paranormal shows in general. Uh, but in particular, that focused on ghosts, but that there was um, relatively little response from the evangelical Bible-believing community. I wouldn't say none, because there had been two or three books that I know of that were quite excellent that had been written. Um, But um, that's basically it. just saw that there was a need because I really felt like people were being led astray, and uh, I, I wanted to understand this, what seemed like it was turning into a juggernaut, and uh, 
more and more people worldwide were getting interested in the subject. And I just felt like that it was only responsible that uh, there be a Christian response. And I, and I agree, Mark. And, and, uh, the, especially with the last comment that you said that it seems like so much of, of what goes on in the ghost world and the paranormal world in terms of the media, uh, I, it seems like 95, 98% of it is, is not from a, from a Christian standpoint. And so, uh, having resources like your book, um, I think are so impactful and powerful because it's, it's rare that you get that glimpse through, through the, through the Christian perspective. And, uh, I think that's sad because, um, I, I, it just, it, it's tilted so far in, in one direction than the non-Christian direction that, uh, I, I think that the, the information can be a little bit skewed. Um, and maybe there's, there's just not a, enough of a representation there that, that, that might be useful, uh, for people that are looking for maybe a wider, uh, spectrum and a, and a wider view of, of these topics. So, uh, you know, I really am, uh, and I know many other people are very appreciative of, of the book that, that you've written. And uh, it just lends. Well, I appreciate it, it Alex. Uh, yeah. Another thing, I, if, I, if I may interject, is sure. that, um, as I pointed out, I've long been since the mid '70s uh, an advocate of uh, worldview thinking. We yeah. tend to think in bits and pieces, but as Christians, we should learn how to think with a biblical worldview. You know, it's like having the spectacles of scripture of, uh, of, of a biblical worldview so you can view all reality through basically seeing not just ghosts, but all of reality through God's eyes. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so no, that's a that's a really good point. It, it Your worldview is, 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 is and you make a you really talk about this in the book and I and I loved it. Um, you just, you, you really make the point that how much your worldview, uh, how much that affects the way that you view everything in the world, whether that's Absolutely. ghosts or, or the, or what's going on in, in the political world. And, uh, that, that part of the book in and of itself, even if you weren't talking about the, even if you were talking about the paranormal aspects or the ghosts, I think that uh, is worth, is worth a read, uh, right there. Um, thank you. Yeah. So as we as we move on, um, you state in the beginning of the book you had uh, your own uh, your your first paranormal experience was in a an old battlefield uh, area. So can you can you kind of elaborate on that experience for us? Yeah, about two blocks from my house is um, a national battleground um, military park, and um, one of the uh, bloodiest war, uh, battles of the Revolutionary War. The battle for at Guilford Courthouse was uh, fought here, and um, so I know from experience that um, you know, like where the Bible says that the life is in the blood, um, demons like to uh, mimic what God does, but flip it upside down, just literally like the cross, you know, and a black like mass or whatever. But anyway, what um, if you're asking about my first encounter, um, I wasn't, uh, I had made it kind of a uh, somewhat of a practice to go out and meditate, you know, at night. Uh, I'm not sure I was supposed to be there, but it was just a real quiet place to walk at night uh, on the trails through this beautiful um, um, national park. Uh, again, two blocks from my house. And uh, I was just kind of singing and praying. I was going through a, a difficult uh, 
time. And uh, I was singing, the Lord is good and his love endures forever, um, which has significance for, you know, what the armies of uh, Israel did when they uh, went into battle. Anyway, um, I had never had any weird experiences in my life that I know of prior to that. I was about 50 years old. Um, and um, so as I was walking along, you know, it was a clear night. Um, the sky was clear, and the the, uh, the moon was bright, and I was in the actually in in the the battlefield itself. So there weren't trees or anything; it was the field, uh, the battlefield. And then right in front of me, about fifteen twenty feet away, um, was this. I looked up, and uh, well, just suddenly appeared a black humanoid shape. Uh, figure that was decked out in the regalia and um, uh, a um, in, in wardrobe of a revolutionary era uh, soldier, and wow. um, I knew I knew that I mean it was black and it was human, but it wasn't a black human. It was, <laughs> you know, it wasn't uh-huh. you know somebody that was uh, African American. It was right. it was total black i couldn't see through it um but i knew that this this thing was um not human it was um even though it it appeared like one and uh at first i was startled and then for some crazy reason i started running at it and uh well before i did that i stared at it and it stared back at me as if to say what are you doing here boy and um I just stared back and I started singing, the Lord is good and his love endures forever. And I started running at it. And it, it, the encounter lasted, I'd say, about 15, 20 seconds. But it floated after I started running and singing. It started floating off into the woods. And if it was a human, um, you could have heard all kinds of cracks of the twigs and the pebbles that we've been running on and so forth. But, um, yeah, that was my first encounter, uh, with the, uh, that again, that I recall. Um, but that was about four or five years before my heart incident, which prompted yeah. me to, to write the book. So they kind of, um, came together to, um, inspire me to, look into it and then finally, you know, to write the book. Yeah, that's incredible. In there. And I also, I love the fact that, uh, you know, I've, I've heard uh, several of these stories in my lifetime and I, and it's very rare that somebody, uh, when they have an encounter of this type, they actually run towards the, uh, the figure that, that, that is an, inc- <laughs> that's an incredible reaction. Yeah. I'm pretty stupid, I suppose. <laughs> I don't know why I did it. Maybe yeah. Maybe maybe it's some old football days. I don't, I don't know. Um, maybe I got. I don't know. <laughs> hey, well, it's, it sounds like that. Uh, you know your 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 confidence and 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 uh, you know it sounds like the power that you had through God there uh, kept kept you safe. It sounds like everything was okay in the end. And um, I was also going to ask just in regards to that episode. You know, I could I can already hear some people saying, "Well, Mark, that's that's an interesting story," but I'm sure you were just having some kind of a a hallucination or uh, psychosis 
Um, any, any, any response to somebody that would say that or, or yeah, how, how, how would you respond to somebody that, that says, Mark, this has to be a, a psychological episode? Well, I, obviously I can't put it in a, um, scientific laboratory and reproduce it. And, um, you know, for someone to say that, that kind of borders on, well, it could border on ad hominem abusive type um, reasoning um, because one thing, I not, I was, not only studied uh, theology, but also um, taught logic. And, uh, you know, one thing, you, you, you should at least give the person the benefit of the doubt of their personal experience. Um, all I can say is that... Um, I didn't. I had. I had no um, brief, or you know, to uh, get into the field, or I had, like I said, no interest in the paranormal uh, when I had that experience. Um, I didn't have any uh, at that battleground afterwards, um, and uh, all I can say is that um, I'm. Uh, I've, I've, <laughs> basically sound mind and uh, i think my kids would uh, attest to that and uh I, I don't know how you know you gave me that question in in, in uh in advance I, I don't know how you can convince somebody that it wasn't a, a fig newton of my imagination yeah <laughs> it, you know i i saw it and as um uh as a student of philosophy too but more of the word of God, I, I believe in the basic, y'all, um, please listen to this. I, I believe in the basic reliability of the sense perceptions. I'll say that again. The basic reliability of the sense perceptions that what I or we see, hear, smell, or taste is a basic reliable test of what is in out there in the external world um that's the way our wonderful creator has made us unless there's some kind of organic problem with our brains or you know somebody's on drugs or something and that was not neither of those were the case with me on that night yeah well well said and it kind of plays into what i want to do next which is uh you you give some really good anecdotal uh, experiences ghost experiences at the beginning of the book and I would like to read some of those for the audience. Just, uh, I think I have three listed out here. And uh, uh, the, the first one, I think that uh, was one that you came up with, but it gives a really good generalized idea of what it, it, some of these uh, ghosts or demonic encounters are like. So the first one you have here, it says, Sandy, who lives with her parents, is a talented artist who is blessed to be alive. When she began to hear some odd noises in her bedroom, Sandy figured it might be a ghost. She decided to try and ask some questions of this ghost and hopefully capture some spirit voices on tape, a tactic that has become increasingly popular. All you need is a standard tape recorder. It did not take long for Sandy to go from normal to being demonized, during which experience she was attacked by an invisible assailant. She was choked, scratched, sexually assaulted, and almost drowned by an unseen entity. Her parents looked on with horror as she was pulled straight up into the air. Her mother ran to her aid, desperately trying to pull Sandy back down by her ankles. And that's that's powerful right there. That's that's uh, just one of the the 
experiences. The next one uh, you have here is um, it's it has to do with electronic vo uh, electronic voice phenomena EVP. Um, yep. And uh, so in this in this anecdotal experience, you you put uh, in the snippet earlier they had been told of a man who had been picked up just like in the last story, picked up and hurled about 10 feet against the door. Aaron, Aaron was volunteered as he often is to stand in the same position and taunt the spirit to do the same thing to him. Thankfully, nothing happened, but later they heard an EVP to Aaron's provoking, which said, don't test me. And I believe that one was actually from a, uh, from one of the shows from one of the, par the paranormal uh, ghost shows. And I know this next one is this last one is from uh, the TAPS team, which I think uh, many, many people are familiar with, with, with the TAPS team from, from Ghost Hunters. And this one, it says the TAPS team responded to a plea from a mother in West Virginia who stated that a shadow figure about 10 feet tall was attacking her son. The teen said the black figure shaped like a man rushed him and jerked him around. In the investigation, Jason used the K2 meter, which picks up on magnetic fluctuations. It is said to be an accurate indicator of a paranormal entity because ghosts give off energy. While in the boy's bedroom, the K2 lit up like a Christmas tree. Jason told it to blink for yes and not blink for no. He asked 10 yes or no questions in a row. Each time, the K2 meter responded in an intelligent fashion. So really, uh, time back in the last question, either all these shows... Uh, are making things up. You're making things up. Everyone that has these experiences are making things up uh, or everybody that is involved in, in, in these situations have, have some kind of a, a mental disorder. And I just don't think that the math, the, the mathematical probability is, is, is too ripe for that being the, the right answer. And uh, so I, I just want, I thought that that was important because it gives us a really good breadth of what we're talking about here in terms of the experiences and it just shows us, uh, you know, it's, it's really, it's one thing to say that you're, 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 somebody is potentially hallucinating and seeing an entity, uh, a shadow figure, or maybe they saw an orb and, you know, I, I can see that as being something that might be a little bit more scientifically, uh, plausible as, as, as passing off, uh, as, as a hallucination, even though I I'm obviously with you, Mark, I don't think they are, they're all hallucinations, but to, to make up, uh, or to have some kind of a coincidence with, uh, somebody being thrown around a room or EVPs uh, going off uh, ten, 10 times in a row uh, to, in, in a fashion that's answering questions. Uh, to me, it's, it's, it's very obvious. It, it, if you really are looking at this from a perspective of I, uh, somebody that wants to, to find out more about what's going on and, and, and uh, has an open mind, there's something going on here. Yeah. Yeah. There's um there. They're honest seekers for truth and um, dishonest seekers for truth. Um, yeah. If you, and to be an honest seeker for truth, and I think um, your audience, um, just by virtue of the fact that they're listening, you know, is, is seeking for answers. And an honest seeker for truth needs to um, check their presuppositions or their assumptions uh, at the door. Uh, what I mean by that is, for example, back in the early 20th century, liberal Christian theologians, they presupposed from the outset, Alex, that the supernatural did not exist. Hence, miracles could not happen. So when they read of accounts, accounts of miracles in the Bible, they said, well, since miracles can't happen, 
because we presuppose that they can't, then this didn't happen. Um, that's the power of assumptions or presuppositions. And so similarly, if someone assumes consciously or unconsciously, presupposes that all um, a- anecdotal evidence of, of um, otherworldly uh, appearances are just um, made up or psychological in nature, um, th- there's just way too much uh, evidence over a broad spectrum, thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of EVP. Of, of, uh, and that's what persuaded me and what I left out in my uh, initial response to your question about whether I, I was, uh, uh, you know, being sincere or whatever or the um, um, having a hallucination is that when I, when I was watching those shows, I watched a bunch of them. And I could see where, you know, some of the stuff could have been, um, you know, uh, I don't know, staged or whatever. Sure. But there, there were there are others that um, that just, you know, I just almost fell off the couch because it was really unmistakable evidence of uh, a supernatural activity of some kind. And so that's that's just what I would say is that we just. Um, you know, if you presuppose that the um, uh, the paranormal is is not real, and that that people's encounters, which are, I mean, they're just countless. Um, and you know what? Um, if I had something, if I, well, let me put it this way: uh, there's two ways of. of, of two starting points for looking at the paranormal encounters. It's we either start from uh, speculation or revelation. I'll say that again. There's two starting points um, for examining paranormal um, uh, phenomenon, and that's either speculation, which would include intuition, experience, uh, emotions, etc., or revelation. That revelation meaning God's words to us uh, in in uh, Holy Scripture, and uh, there's one other thing I wanted to say real quick. And um, you know, for a person to operate operate priori uh, dismiss ghosts um, as a presupposition is just circular reasoning. And I would just again submit that there is just a ton of uh, empirical evidence that there is a, an increasing amount of paranormal activity that uh, is, in, is happening in our culture as we move more and more away from uh, the absolutes of scripture, and, um, open, which tends to open up a, a culture to uh, darker elements. Yeah, and speaking of the, some of the, the darker elements here in the paranormal, that 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 is a, a good segue to to the next part of our discussion, I think, which is uh, your book takes a different stance than a lot of other books on on, on ghosts, which is uh, the, the hypothesis that all of all of these experiences with these quote ghosts aren't aren't actually ghosts, but uh, demonic in nature. And so, um, what I would be interested in hearing now is uh, 
what do you have uh, in terms of, uh, or what are some of either maybe one or a couple that come to mind of some some powerful uh, anecdotal experiences that have lent some credence to your hypothesis that uh, these entities are, are are not just ghosts or uh, deceased uh, people, uh, uh, loved ones that have just passed and are kind of in the in the quote in between state, but are actually uh, demonic beings. Or can you share uh, with our audience yeah. some of some of your uh, uh, stories there as, as it relates to that? Yeah, you know, um, if I I could uh, link that to your prior question about, uh, and I appreciate you reading those anecdotes uh, that I put in the book. Um, if there's one thing, if I could afford to edit my book, I would probably take those stories out and uh, include and 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 put uh, my own. Uh, anecdotes or stories and because after i wrote the book i i was involved in uh, about a hundred um house cleansings exorcisms deliverances whatever you want to call it and uh so um but it was too late you know I, I, but in a sense i'm glad i did put it in there because my my the point i was trying to make was that this is what you know TV is a powerful medium, and particularly during this um, time of uh, being people being at home for a year now, they're watching a lot more TV. And uh, so, you know, I, I wanted to, to, to people to see that, that the television was rife with um, these paranormal shows. But I guess to answer your question, the... Um, the way that I came to to see the um, the identity, well, let me put it this way: you cannot, um, and this is one of the basic flaws of the, of of many in the paranormal community, is that you cannot um, accurately identify paranormal entities by their appearance. I'll say it again: you cannot accurately identify um, paranormal phenomenon just by their appearance. Why do I say that? Well, because several reasons. One is that um, the Bible says that Satan can appear as the angel of light. Now, if the prince of darkness can appear as his exact opposite, the angel of light, than a demon appearing as a human being or a deceased human being would be a snap. And um, so from scripture, I know there's two lines of reasoning. My ultimate presupposition is that John 17, 17, as Jesus says that your word is truth. He doesn't just say it's true, which it is, but he says it's, it's the truth. And by saying that, Scripture embodies truth and is therefore the standard of truth against which everything else must be tested and compared. So, again, any um, empirical data that people are um, accumulating in their um, investigations, you, you simply cannot make the naive assumption 
that just because you see a little girl ghost, that that thing is innocuous. Um, because I can then segue into personal experiences of numerous, numerous cases that I had where um, it started out with the voice of what sounded like a little girl or a little boy, um, often speaking to a mother in the kitchen. And what, what more would tug on the heartstrings of, of, a, of a mom, young mother with little children? than to hear the disembodied sound of, of a child and then also to um, then to see it. But from a personal perspective, getting back to your, your real question, question was number one, I said I had that experience in the park, right? Secondly, while I was writing the book, I was sitting in a chair similar to what I'm sitting in now, kind of an easy chair. And I was leaning forward like this, probably halfway through the book. And it was probably two o'clock in the morning. I wrote from midnight, or 10 o'clock at night until about six in the morning. And um, I was at peace. I was enjoying, I loved writing, but just out of the blue was like something pumped fear inside of me. I, I wasn't afraid of anything. There was nothing to be afraid of, but it was like an outside force was pumping fear, a cloud of fear on top of me. And then all of a sudden I was slammed back. It was like an invisible hand on my chest. I was slammed back in wow. in my chair. And I won't repeat to your audience what the, the voice then said to me, but there was a uh, audible voice to the left, my left ear that said, Mark, you are. And it went on to um, cuss me out. And um, I have uh, received a triple scratch on my shoulder, which I agree probably is a mockery of the Trinity. Uh, the same thing has happened, unfortunately, to a couple of my family members. Once you start doing this type thing, you get a, a mark on your back. And um, I've just seen such... I don't know. I don't know where to go because I've got like a hundred cases of, of uh, shadow figures and people having stuff thrown at them, being scratched, uh, sexually assaulted, um, you wow. name it. And uh, it it's happened. Um, wow. You know, I don't. I, I can't present the evidence like in a law court or whatever. All I can do is just tell you that I have seen, heard, and smelled. A lot of weird stuff. Yeah. And um, it was definitely supernatural in nature, uh, which corresponds to the biblical view of the dual nature um, of reality, that there is a physical and the superphysical, the natural and the supernatural. And they're both just as real. Um, and they kind of have an interplay symbiotic relationship back and forth. And that's my main concern is mm -hmm. that I'm convinced that God is so sovereign. Jesus's death on the cross was so complete and perfect that the notion of ghosts um, is um, diminishes um, the, the, uh, the sovereignty of God. It also 
diminishes the seriousness and reality of hell. And the Bible really teaches that in dozens of ways, Alex, um, that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Um, you can find that in the parable in Luke 16, um, in Philippians, Colossians, um, and then uh, Revelations where you have the intermediate state, which theologians call when a person dies in their soul, um, where does it go? Well, our souls aren't autonomous. God owns them. And they're not going to be floating around here on earth because of some unfinished business or whatever, which I think we'll probably get to. So um, I'll, I'll stop ram rambling there. <laughs> Now you get that's that, that's another great segue because I was going to ask you about some of that uh, unfinished business and the untimely death aspect of, of the ghost uh, phenomena is is uh, is so uh, is so pertinent in, in in that discussion. On that note, uh, there's a you make a really astute observation in the book uh, where you consider the case of a woman who believes in ghosts. Uh, this is an, I think this is another uh, uh, anecdotal example that you that you came up with for the purpose of this book, but it but um, it. It's very true to life, and uh, I think it encompasses a lot of people's uh, beliefs in ghosts. So you consider the case of a woman who believes in ghosts and the idea that an untimely death would equate with a higher probability of interaction with her family post-death. And in this example, you state the woman is diagnosed with a terminal illness and then unfortunately kills herself uh, due to her depression. Uh, but she does this with a strong belief uh, or a strong, excuse me, strong desire uh, to to contact her family from the other side, and then uh, you go on to point out that empirical evidence seems to dictate that it would be incredibly unlikely that she is able to start contacting her family, uh, and even if she were, at most, uh, she she what she'd be able to do is present maybe a a few faint knocking noises, move furniture. Uh, and uh, present herself in a way that uh, is very intensely frightening to her family, especially her children, who, of whom she loves very dearly. Yeah. Um, and uh, also just in general, considering how many people uh, are extroverted and vocal before death, uh, mathematically, you would expect some ghosts then to be able to speak at a much higher uh, rate or, or much more meaningfully than a fragment here and there, which is what we see so often in the, in, in, in the ghost uh, spectrum. Uh, even if there limit, even even if there are some limitations, you would expect to hear uh, some more uh, uh, intelligent discussion. So I just wanted to comment that that was really a good observation on your part, and uh, leads into my next question. So if these beings are ghosts, who or what would decide what constitutes an untimely death? Yeah, that's uh, well. You're asking the question I asked is, you've got. Um, there's almost a monolithic consensus in the paranormal community that um, at some point, um, unfinished business, traumatic death, untimely death, and unfinished business, ha I mean, who decides um, when and if that line is crossed? Um, because that, that would take an intelligent, some intelligence to make that decision, right? Right. It's, and the, the soul can't make that decision for itself. 
And um, if we, um, so basically, and, and also it flies in the face of the fact that, first of all, all of us die with some form of unfinished business. All of us die, all of our deaths are to some extent emotional and usually traumatic. Um, and so all of those could be, I can put this, put it this way. I've had four siblings who have died at the age of 50, not 50 something, but age 50. Um, two of my siblings died at 50, one at 45 and one at 20. And theirs, uh, their deaths met all of the criteria for an earthbound spirit. And none of them um, were trapped. So the, you, what you're looking at, Alex, is that the vast majority of deaths of people who fit that, those criteria for being trapped aren't trapped. Um, why some people are, um, I'm not sure. Um, well, I should put it this way. No people are trapped, but why, why, why demons would um, mimic the death of some people and not others? I'm, I'm not really, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not a demon, although some might um, disagree with it, <laughs> but, um, or, um, but it's, uh, I forget where we were going with this. No, we were just, what we were was just, your main question there, bro? Yeah, yeah. So you 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 did a good. I think you did a good job of uh, of talking about it. I was just asking about the the untimely death aspect of of ghosts, and uh, if there were such an aspect, what would who or what is setting the 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 barometer there, the the standards as to what would constitute an untimely death? And I think you kind of alluded that um, that was the question that you that you came up with in the book. That it, it, there doesn't really appear to be in the scientific or in the paranormal community right now any agreement as to what those, th that rule system is that is in place that would constitute an untimely death, because you said it right there. Uh, I'm sorry to hear about the uh, passing of, of your siblings. Um, you. But you said that, you know, they, by all, by all uh, measures should have fit into that category of, of an untimely death. Um, and uh, they, no contact has been made there. So um, I, th I think it just goes to show that, so much right now in the paranormal community and the ghost community uh, is is really just uh, it's a case by case basis it seems like and and it, it just depends on who you ask. There's not really a set foundation that these uh, ghost hunters uh, or or seekers of of these experiences are, are are abiding by. And I thought that that was just a really interesting point that you made in the book. Yeah, thank you, Alex. Yeah. I it was uh, again. It, it seems to me that the vast majority of um, of the tragic uh, deaths of people do not result in so the, in in any kind of haunting. So there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to their hypothesis. And um, so I'm ha I'm having to hook in my phone. Okay. No, that's that's okay. <laughs> no problem. Um, so 
you also go into the book on uh, the topic of, of Ouija boards. And uh, most people, I think, that are listening are probably familiar with Ouija boards uh, in the paranormal community. They're very well known for uh, uh, as being an, an instrument that it creates the ability to contact uh, the other side. And uh, I thought you made a, another great point here in the book. You, you, you say, and I quote, if the soul is 100% consistent with the living human, and if ghosts represent all strata of society, then trapped spirits cannot be posited as existing with anything close to scientific certitude. And on the same note, you also state that there has never been an instance recorded where a ghost warns someone about demons through the use of a Ouija board. Uh, so I, I thought that was interesting. I don't know if you have any any uh, anything else you want to you want to comment on that, but I, I I wanted to share that with with our listeners just because. Uh, I think it was a it was a great way of looking at the subject of ghosts well, and Ouija boards and demons and how they all kind of come together. Help me if I, I if I uh, circle too far out of your question because I uh, I want I wanted to touch on something first that's sure. related to that. Okay, um, when you're talking about um, Ouija boards, there, there seems to be a fairly um, broader broader agreement um even amongst people in the paranormal community that um that, that, that there's some danger that there's dangers with with the um with the ouija board um i i've heard that and um even you know many people who who were very very much into ghost hunting and uh, uh that sort of thing Many of them are sounding the alarm about the dangers of, of, of the Ouija board because they say it um, tends to attract evil spirits. Now, there's an inconsistency there, though, Alex, because um, what is the essence of, of, a, of a Ouija board session? It's where you put your hands on the planchette and you basically say, is there a spirit here? And if there is, What's your name, and will you please communicate with us? Now, what do paranormal investigators do when they come into a house? The house becomes one big Ouija board, and their um, recorders become the planchette, if, if you see what I'm talking about, because yeah. basically they're asking the exact same questions as you would in a Ouija board session, the investigator will say, is there any spirits here? What's your name? Will you communicate with us? You see, it's the exact same MO. Right. And so it's inviting the same darkness. And we're told in Deuteronomy 18 um, that we are forbidden. In fact, it's, um, I say this gently, but we are forbidden and it's an abomination to God that we attempt to communicate with the dead or to use mediums. And I think you wanted to talk about mediums. Yeah, uh, that's a, that, that, possible. But yeah, the the fact is that um, I hope that makes sense about um, the inconsistency of collecting EVPs, but resisting using the Ouija board when it's essentially the same thing. And, um, but circling back around, I don't think I answered your question about um, the, yeah, okay. The, like I said, there's tens of thousands of hours of electronic uh, voice phenomenon. And you would expect 
a uh, given the fact that we're told anyway that um, well, first of all, that, that ghosts are supposed to be able to pick up two to ten two to ten pounds of, of, of weight. Um, and if that's the case, why couldn't that woman, Sandy, pick up a pen or write a love phone to her child? And secondly, with this uh, supposed continuity of the soul, 100% continuity of the soul after death, like he said, the extroverts, I'm quoting what I had written, why are all the, um, uh, you know, or there's, there's so little... Uh, difference in the uh, electronic voice phenomenon as far as uh, like personalities. You might have different sounding voices, but there is never, like you said, um, a, a firm affirmation of the amazingness of grace uh, that Jesus is the sole redeemer of mankind. You look in vain, um, I believe, for an EVP. Uh, of and and that should speak volumes because again, if that's the whole strata of society, you know, there's many, many people who who are outspoken Christians, and and I hope there's some people who are seeking and don't claim to be Christians who are listening to this, and uh, I, I hope we're approaching or you know speaking humbly enough, but with with enough experience to, to have what I call uh, cognitive rest regarding um, a, cer a certainty uh, about the identity of these alleged earthbound spirits because of what, first of all, God says, and then my own experience with co which corresponds to it. But again, the EVPs don't line up with a um, uh, the kind of um, different personalities that you would expect uh, in a uh, large strata of um, of, uh, of evidence. So. Yeah, and I really appreciate that you brought up the idea of Christianity in this and that I, I can't, again, as somebody that has done a lot of research, thousands of hours of research in the paranormal, and uh, I've heard story after story of, of ghost encounter, ghost encounter, uh, one after the other. I don't, I've never once heard a quote ghost talk about Jesus, Christianity, or you know any, anything like that. And, and if that were to, to your point, if this was to match this, encompass society at large, you would think just one, just one incidence. There would be just one uh, of something of that nature, and uh, there's, there just doesn't seem to be. So that's 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 incredible. Uh, that's an that's an incredible observation. Um. And, and then again, we yeah, you, silence is kind of deafening, isn't it? Oh, it is. Yeah, very, very much so. And uh, uh, on the topic of mediums, um, well, I guess before I get to that, you mentioned also in the book uh, on one of the ghost hunting shows, uh, you state a person was scratched by an entity uh, and they and that person was only went on to claim that this entity could not have possibly been a demon. Because it didn't, quote, throw anything or emit a foul smell, which I think kind of ties into what we were talking about before, that it, there doesn't seem to be any set foundation as uh, in rules as to what uh, constitutes uh, categorizing uh, w whatever it is that these spiritual entities are. So that's the first part. But the second part uh, is uh, tying back into the medium aspect. So based on this, uh, any interaction uh, with the paranormal realm really could 
again, be a ghost or demon, uh, vice versa. But this ties ties into the medium aspect because uh, the Bible says uh, we are not supposed to use a medium uh, for contact or for any for any reason. Uh, and obviously that would tie into uh, using a medium to try to diagnose what these entities are. And yeah. I just my question for you then, because I know that there's a lot of people that when they do go out into the to the ghost field and they're and they're and they're trying to uh, validate the, that these uh, ghosts are real and have some experiences there that they do bring mediums with them. And so why would Christianity then condemn the use of mediums? Well, because it's uh, it's a for, forbidden form of attempting to communicate with the other side is um, folks, if they read the entire chapter of Deuteronomy 18, it's um, the first half of Deuteronomy 18. Uh, well, the chapter itself has to do with leadership, and it's kind of like the apex of, of um, chapter 18 and 19, the apex mm -hmm. of the, um, the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, that's the structure of the book, the chiasm of how uh, Deuteronomy is, is literarily structured. But the, the context is leadership. And then specifically, um, how is the, the, the leader, spiritual leadership, the mediators of the Old Covenant community um, to communicate with, with God? and to find direction and guidance. And so we have um, the first half, what is forbidden, and, and that is that um, compared to and contrasted with um, the proper means of how to acquire um, knowledge, accurate knowledge from God that's pleasing to him uh, in the second, uh, half of the cha of chapter 18, and that's where there's the tests for a true prophet. And it talks about Moses um, and one greater than Moses who was coming. And we see in the New Testament that that was a prophecy of Jesus. So what um, I'm, I'm, what I'm talking about is you have two contrasting means of trying to attempt to communicate with the, quote, the other side, with the supernatural. And God knows, he loves us, and he knows that any attempt to use a medium is not going to lead to him. It's going to lead to the, the demonic, um, because the mediums were in a sense, false prophets. They, they were not prophets uh, sent by God, so they did not have access to the inner council of God's knowledge of the future. And that's why people in old times and even today, you know, um, look to prophets either to try to figure out the future or to try to help identify um, that, well, figure out the identity of a, of a particular entity that they've come across. But God just flatly forbids it in Deuteronomy 18, as well as Leviticus 19 and 20, 
because he knows that's going to harm us. Any anytime we disobey God's law, it's like we're punching ourselves in the face. Um, so I hope that's not too simplistic uh, of an answer. Is that to call in a quote Christian medium or just a medium in general is not going to help. It's probably going to throw gasoline on the fire because you're just bringing in more um, attempts to disobey God's law, which in turn gives the demonic realm legal rights to attack and attach, which is why many, if not most, paranormal investigators have demonic attachments and have experienced paranormal activity at their own homes, which makes me weep. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, another thing that that makes me think about is something for, for me personally, which is, uh, you know, before I became a Christian, it was interesting to me that uh, the concept of good and evil seems to uh, be so ambiguous in a lot of uh, in a lot of the world now. There's a lot of more relativity, and um, the 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 ghost phenomenon always kind of clued me in personally that there is good and evil because um, I. I just could not imagine an invisible force that attacks someone as being uh, a, 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 as being a being that comes from a quote good background. And so for me, it was the, the the ghost phenomenon was so powerful because it really helped me to come to the idea that there is such a thing as as, as good and evil, which uh, obviously the Bible uh, very much promotes that and is against moral relativity. Do you think? Do you think then that I'm I'm onto something there that that the the quote ghost phenomenon can prove that there is such a thing as, as good and evil? Yeah, it, it I, yes, I think that I think you're onto something, there, Alex. It, it certainly helps to um, lend credence to to that fact. Um, one of the one of the wonderful things about scripture is that, is that it corresponds to reality in so many different ways. And, um, you know, you had mentioned, um, kind of jumping back a little bit, that that encounter that uh, Jay had when he was scratched, it just it shows the, the uh, subjectivism uh, and the, I would say the capriciousness of the decision-making, snap decision-making people uh, make uh, as far as... Um, the identity of, um, you know, what they're encountering. So, I mean, where is it written that a demon must smell like sulfur? Um, particularly when, when you, we have the, um, what I call the uh, angel of light principle. Uh, Satan can make a room smell like roses uh, if he wants to. Doesn't have to smell like sulfur. And, um so that was that just shows um we get to get get back to what you're saying is that without Alan Bloom wrote a book back in the nineties and he said that uh he was a called the closing of the American mind and in a nutshell he said that uh it disturbed him because he he um just back in the again back in the nineties he said that one thing he knew of the incoming freshman was that ninety 
to 95% of the incoming freshmen had already uh, bought, swallowed hook, line, and sinker the notion of, that all truth is subjective. And if that's truth, that's the death of Western culture, and it's a death basically of right and wrong and of ethics. What is, is is. Ethics becomes um, nothing other than simply preference. And um, so what has happened is we move from a culture based on objective truth grounded in God's word to a feeling, intuition, emotion-based society where there's you can have multiple truths, your truth, my truth. Uh, it's just whatever feels right. Um, you know, and uh, so it's the fact that you have, have undeniable experiences like um, what you're talking about of just flat out good and evil. You can't deny the fact that some of the, these encounters are, um, are evil. They feel, feel evil. They look evil. They even smell evil. Mm -hmm. um, the red eyes in the closet of the people being attacked sexually and otherwise scratched, pushed, bitten, pushed down steps. I've seen it all, man. And mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that's, that's a, like a supernatural stamp of uh, certitude on the reality of, of good and evil. Uh, but if, if God had not spoken to us, if he had remained silent, we'd have both feet planted in midair as far ethically, as far as determining, you know, what is right and wrong. And that's what's so beautiful. God loves us so much. He not only sent his son to die for us to have eternal life, but he gave us his written word so that we could um, determine, among other things, uh, what is pleasing to him, what is right and what, what is wrong. And, or otherwise, we're stuck with, you know, the horrible uh, ordeal or dilemma of how do you say Hitler was wrong? It was his preference that he didn't like uh, Jews or other Eastern Euro Europeans. And so who on, on a subjective basis could truly, truly say that Hitler was wrong? unless you believe in moral absolutes. So subjectivism itself um, just dies a death of a thousand qualifications. Yeah, and that uh, that Hitler uh, piece that you just mentioned right there, maybe even scarier than uh, the, the ghost phenomenon itself. Pretty pretty incredible uh, that people would uh, could come to that conclusion. Um, this one you might not have... Uh, an answer for, but I, I thought it would be an interesting question just as it relates to the scientific community. Um, have you, or, or I, I guess not just the scientific community, but the, the paranormal community at large, have you ever had somebody explain to you how the ghost phenomenon fits in with the idea of evolution and natural selection? Uh, you know, because, uh, so much of that, of that, uh, worldview is based on uh, survival of the fittest and uh, the the strong live and the weak survive and everything that we have is 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 a function of getting us to uh, the the next element of survival. So has has anybody uh, have you ever heard of anybody presenting trying uh, to present this evidence in a way that that uh, overlaps with the idea of evolution and natural selection? Just a little bit, Alex. Mm -hmm. 
I was when you sent that question, I kind of scratched my head and I said it's a good one, but honestly, we haven't heard too much of that kind of reasoning. But it um, it's thought provoking. But you know, macroevolution, um, as usually assumed, is materialistic. So a human soul could not be produced by natural selection or um, macroevolution. So I would just simply say that macroevolution cannot adequately explain the origin of a non-material um, aspect of the human being. And that's really, biblically, the definition of a human being is a uh, body-soul comp composite. And theoretically, even though I don't believe in macroevolution, I do believe in microevolution, you know, minor differentiation and so forth. Um, some, you know, little horses getting bigger and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But again, it, uh, it, cannot, it can't explain the uh, non-physical aspects that uh, would supposedly remain after death um and became and become earthbound does that make sense it does yeah thank thank you um in the book also you talk about how you for a, a, a few years before uh you accepted christ you went through a period of doubt and uh obviously you eventually accepted christ in your life and i'm wondering why why the why did you decide to accept Christ in your life as opposed to many of the other spiritualities of the world? Yeah, I was looking behind me because there was a couple books I wanted to see if I could uh, pull off my shelf, but I'll just have to let that be. Um, thank you for asking this. <clears throat> yeah, it was. I was raised Roman Catholic like you. I don't think I've had a chance to tell you that. And um, I was an altar boy and I thought consider myself pretty spiritual, and um, but I uh, got went off the rails and party and so forth. But then in particular, I had a, a traumatic death with my brother, who I was sixteen, he was twenty. He was my idol hero. He died in a fraternity accident, fell to his death, and um, it devastated me. So I was plunged into a depression. Uh, my high school years, so I just kind of became an arny, uh, uh, party animal. And uh, so, anyway, it was kind of uh, through the ministry of young life that I just threw myself onto Christ. But then um, I experienced what, An what Anselm said earlier, a thousand years earlier. Um, Fides quorans intellectum, faith-seeking understanding. And so I became a philosophy major because my heart wanted to catch, excuse me, my head wanted to catch up with my heart. And I wanted to be an integrated person, not a disintegrated person. I wanted my head and my heart to go together because contrary to what many people believe, I believe that faith and reason are friends and not, not foes. And that they go together, and that the Christi if Christianity, excuse me, since Christianity is true, it can and should stand up to close scrutiny. So 
through the study of philosophy, the history of philosophy, which in one sense is the nonstop, um, particularly modern philosophy from 17th century onwards, is a nonstop criticism of Christianity. Um, and, I, and in addition to studying the philosophy, I was doing all this because I wanted to put my, my faith on the line. I wanted to be tested to the max. And I also studied other world religions and so forth. And I found that um, the truth of Christianity is, is, is it slowly but surely, um, again, I came to what I call cognitive rest. There's no such thing. If somebody tells you they're 100% positive, that they know God exists and that Christ is true, um, you know, I, I'm just going to gently say maybe 99%, but it's just impossible to have 100% psychological certitude because there's always a little bit of doubt and so forth just because of indwelling sin and the brokenness uh, in our own hearts and minds because of the fall. But bottom line is that I saw the uh, mounting empirical evidence from the fields of archaeology, which were showing how accurate the, the Bible was as far as its claims about names and places in antiquity. You got uh, fulfilled prophecies. You've got just the majestic nature of scripture itself you've got um the internal testimony of the holy spirit when you read the bible that is lacking when i've read any other book um holy book um you've got a supernatural unity to this book which is about 40 different authors 66 different books written over uh, let's see, 1,500 uh, 15, 1500 years. Yeah, anyway, at least 1,500 years. Mm -hmm. and, and there's just a marvelous unity of the unfolding of the drama of redemption. Um, and it's just majestic in its scope. The, the meta narrative or the big picture of the uh, creation, fall, uh, redemption, and then the consummation with the coming of the Lord Jesus. And then along with the evidence um, is what I call the impossibility of the contrary, that um, only the Christian worldview can stand up to, well, only the Christian worldview is internally self-consistent, and all other non-Christian worldviews will internally self-destruct. And for a worldview to stand up to scrutiny, it must adequately explain four things, Alex. Origins, meaning, values, or ethics, which we were just talking about, and our destiny. And I found that uh, uh, the Christian worldview answers that like none others does. And so the light came on and you know, I have my moments of doubt, but um, I've come to cognitive rest based on what I consider to be um, 
good and sufficient reasons. Yeah, well said. Now, on the opposite side of this, uh, we have uh, the demonic realm here. And uh, it's in, I, just looking at what it is, is their goal is through uh, their manipulation or the uh, trying to pull the wool over people's eyes is pretending to be ghosts. And they're actually of demonic nature. Uh, I thought you made another interesting point in the book when you said that there was a part uh, there uh, you, when after your brother died uh, that you were considering suicide and you said in the book that this could if you would have believed in ghosts uh you may have actually have gone through with it and so if you could just kind of explain then how this ties into maybe the overall goal of uh the uh, the the demons here what what their goal is at large and how that idea ties into it oh well pa powerful visceral question yeah i, I never remember never forget that night well it was actually a, a period of time but one night in particular and um there the the tragic well scripture in john 10 10 says that the devil came to kill steal and destroy jesus has come to give us abundant life. And for those of you who are listening, who feel like bruised reeds or are broken or lost and confused, um, Jesus is tender and uh, he'll meet you where you're at. The, the sad thing is that demons are Satan and other fallen angels, which are synonymous with demons, is that they are 100% evil. There's nothing good in them. They're exceedingly cruel. And so there have been a multitude of people who have been lured to their deaths uh, on the false promise that they, that there's no such thing as hell. And, uh, but the Bible tells us that our physical death is, de is determinative of our eternal destiny. And so many people have been lured to a suicidal death because they listened to that voice because they felt like they would come back, perhaps like Sandy, you know, that mm -hmm. uh, antidote you mentioned in the beginning, wanting to be able to come back and spend time with their family. And uh, so, yes, with me, uh, it's, I mean, it's, who knows, it's hypothetical looking back on it, but it probably, it may have taken, if, if I believe in ghosts, at that at that point, Alex, it may have well have taken the fear of hell or muted it uh, considerably, and I may not be here today as as a result. Um, but I know this is that the purpose of demonic attacks is that they want to turn people away from Christ. Um, and to destroy them physically, emotionally, and spiritually, to um, oppress them, to enter, to oppress, and then possibly possess. Uh, that's the progression. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's... Uh, 
it's, it's, it's a dark picture of, of what they they're, they're they're very cruel and uh, that's what that's what mm. their design is 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 to go after God's image bearers because by by attacking us they're they're attacking God because we're, we, like I said we're we're God's image bearers and uh, so yes I I probably would have um, slammed mm. the old car into the the bridge. Um, had I had I believe in ghosts at that time, and, and very sad, save us some tears. Is I, I know there's a good number of people who have proceeded to kill themselves because mm -hmm. they were um, deceived by the evil one about uh, what would happen if they uh, if they died and could come back as uh, earthbound spirits. Mm -hmm. Just tragic, very yeah. tragic. That is it's very sad. Um. And on a completely different topic here, uh, you also go into the book, uh, you go into the, t the aspect of residual hauntings. And I thought this was really well done, and it was done in, in such a way, I don't think I've ever seen it uh, laid out so uh, remarkably the way that you have. And I know we're going to have you on uh, for another round here to discuss residual hauntings a little bit in a little bit more depth. But if you could uh, just kind of briefly take us through, and I know that that's hard to do because you've, you've found so much information, but uh, if you could just kind of provide us a... Uh, some of the light details there on, on what you found on, on residual hauntings and why they might not be uh, exactly as presented. Well, the, thank you for asking. And uh, I'll, I'll keep this short because like you said, we'll, we'll um, tackle this more in detail, um, which I really appreciate that opportunity. Once again, there's, there's exceedingly little um, information from the paranormal community defending the notion of residual energy and haunts, and also very little uh, criticism of it from outsiders, so to speak. There's some, to be sure, yes. Um, I have done a series on it, but um, given the fact that uh, not, not, not all, but I think most paranormal Investigators would say that the that the majority of of um, paranormal activity can be contributed at least in part to residual energy, and uh, for that reason alone, it 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 warrants our attention, because if that's true, then um, it just um, because of its uh, significance. Um, we need to, to look at it, but it's um, you know it's I I, I talk about um, uh, residual energy and haunts um, together because they act as cause and effect. Residual energy is said to be the causal factor of a residual haunt. If it weren't for residual energy, there wouldn't be any residual haunts. And so you have what I've noticed, you may have noticed this too, is just the, um, the different and the real quick subjective way that paranormal investigators will just kind of snap their fingers and say, oh, this, this uh, evidence over here is intelligent, but this evidence over here is, re is just residual because it's next to a quartz wall 
or it's that's where the person committed suicide. So since it was a traumatic death next to limestone, it, it you know, I, so it's kind of just assumed. And the paranormal, paranormal community is what I call a, a um, plausibility structure, where the notion was first called the stone tape theory. Um, it's just that, I mean, in the scientific community, I don't know of a single judicious, judicious scientist who believes in the notion of uh, residual energy, uh, not to mention residual haunts. Well, um, if you take a glass of water and you put a um, just two or three drops of red food coloring in it, and without agitating it or shaking it, after two or three minutes, that red dye will have of itself dispersed throughout the entire glass. That is a um, uh, kind of a graphic image of the second law of thermodynamics. Yes, uh, paranormal investigators like to point to the first law of thermodynamics that energy cannot be created or destroyed. That's true. But it also cannot remain um, clustered uh, once it's let out of its container, and in this case, the human body, the soul, um, then according to the second law of thermodynamics, uh, that energy, unless it's acted upon by an outside force, um, must disperse until it reaches equilibrium, as in that glass of water. But in this case, the environment, you know, the atmosphere around the entire globe is what the few volts or one and a half volts of energy or whatever it is that's in the human body um, that's emitted if when a person dies is just dispersed. So that anyway, to, 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 I'll put it this way very simply, is that the idea that, first of all, the notion of emotional energy is doesn't even make any sense. That's, there's not even a category of emotional energy. Emotion doesn't have energy. Um, so that's just a fallacy in itself. But just the fact that energy could remain clustered um, is against every law of thermodynamics and other laws of science that we know of. And that's just scratching the surface. Not to mention the extravagant um, sound and light shows that, that some of these uh, residual hauntings are supposed to display, like at Gettysburg with solid sh uh, soldiers running through the woods that are all caused just because of um, place memory, um, energy being stored in certain rocks and then playing them back, doing a better job than any of us could with the most recent holographic images that we have available to us. So anyway, I'll just leave it at that and uh, say that there is there are a multitude of, of um, roadblocks and issues that, um, you know, I'll mention one more and that's Occam's razor. And um, Occam's razor is uh, basically is, is, is a very useful scientific tool which says that the 
um, simplest explanation, if you have two or more hypotheses in an attempt to explain a phenomenon, um, and if if they all explain it, you know, somewhat equally well, the the simplest one is to be preferred and is probably and almost certainly uh, the correct one because that's just the way reality uh, tends to, to be. So that's the law of Occam's razor: is that the simpler, simpler the better. And I would, uh, I think, it's a much more simpler once you're open to the supernatural and don't just dismiss it out of hand, which is not rational to do so. But once you acknowledge the possibility of the supernatural, the paranormal, whatever you want to call it, then it's much more simple, simpler to say that this seemingly uh, that these this um, what's going on in, in Gettysburg and, and countless other places is attributable to demonic activity um, and not to some kind of stored energy uh, that's putting on an amazing sound and light show. So the bottom line is that I'm convinced that there never has been, Alex, there never is and never will be an earthbound spirit, never. In no culture ever has there been a, a trapped spirit. God is too big. He's too sovereign. Christ's work on the cross was finished. And any notion of ghosts trivializes um, and undermines the finished work in perfection of the atonement of Christ as well as the absolute sovereignty of God, who there is no maverick molecule in this universe. God is the absolute king of, of all that happens. It may not appear to us to be that way at times, but he is in control. And one thing he's not going to let happen is that when we die, that our spirits get earthbound here. That has never happened, and it never will. Because again, scripture says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And um, so I would just plead with your audience to, to look to Jesus. And um, if you're still searching, read the Gospel of Mark. Um, perhaps not because my name is Mark, but because it reads like a documentary. And it's fast moving and gives you a fresh picture of the supernatural nature of Jesus's uh, ministry. It's like one miracle after another and his interactions, with, you know, uh, people who have evil spirits. And um, so it confirms what we believe. We know there's a supernatural realm. The question that we're trying, Alice and I are trying to deal with is properly identifying the entities in that realm. And according to God's word, seeing reality through God's eyes is that there are only two entities in the paranormal realm, and that is good ghosts and bad ghosts. Good ghosts, bad ghosts, slash demons, evil spirits, so on. Uh, scripture has about eight to ten different synonyms for, for demons. So, can't think of anything else. I believe I've rambled but it's no, I, I really appreciate it. Remember, it's truth versus feelings. Um, 
God's revelation versus our speculation. You know, which which do you want to? You have a choice, you know, to before you. So. Yeah. No, I really appreciate it, Mark. And no, no rambling at all. I I, I think you have a lot of powerful things to say, and um, I and I appreciate you wetting our our wetting our appetites uh, in regards to the residual hauntings, and I look forward to talking to you uh, or with you about that here soon. Uh, kind of get a little bit more in depth on that on that uh, topic. And I also just think on the, the topic of Christianity, one of the most powerful things that you said in the book was that a lot of times these quote ghosts, um, if you encounter them and you uh, rebuke them in the name of Jesus Christ, these quote ghosts, these seemingly uh, harmless ghosts fled, they fled. And, uh, and that the, the power in that name, Jesus Christ, uh, seem to, uh, be, be at work there. And I just think that, that there's what, a, what an incredible, um, s- statement that that could happen or what an incredible story that that could happen just one time. Uh, and, uh, a, a quote ghost would flee. I think that would be very, uh, powerful. Yeah, I mean, if they were humans, Alex, why would they flee? Right. Exactly. Exactly. And the fact that y- you, you state in the book that it happens countless times, uh, to me, that that shows me there is something. There's something going on here. There's something going on with, uh, with Jesus and something going on with these uh, entities, uh, true true beings. That is is just not as many believe. And like you were saying, Mark, I say it gently as many believe in the paranormal community that it seems to be true. It just doesn't. It a lot doesn't seem to be adding up. And so I think that that is very powerful uh, to know that countless times time and time again jesus saying jesus name and rebuking these beings uh has had uh the result of of them leaving the premises and uh just i'm just so thankful they put that in the book because that that did a lot for me and uh really shifted my worldview um so yeah yeah and uh really the last uh question i have for you is um you know christianity is not something that we think about as is something we we put us first. We don't put me first. It's it's supposed to be putting God first and God then blesses us. But I think so much in the world right now revolves around when, when people think about self-help or some of the other spiritualities, they think about what can I, what can I get out of it? What can I get out of uh, this self-help book? What can I get out of this, um, you know, retreat that is supposed to, to uh, help me from a business perspective and a psychological perspective so just on that vein, I want to try because I, I, I think it'd be helpful for people that that are, that are still see, seeking, um, I think, to, to speak to them a little bit, just in terms of what have you noticed that has been a change in you, uh, maybe a spiritual, emotional level, um, as opposed to what you were like before you became a Christian? How, how have you noticed the changes in who you are as a person? Oh, gosh. Let's see. I'm 65 now. and. Uh was 17 years old when I either recommitted my life to Christ or became a Christian. And uh, the uh, there's a movie out called The American Gospel, which everybody ought to see um, it uh, because uh, Jesus does not promise a, a problem-free life or a pain-free life. In fact, there's a sense in which since I became a Christian, uh, life became a little bit more, 
more complicated um, issues of uh, heaven and hell, which I, I didn't have to think about before or didn't think about. Um, it's painful, you know. Um, I, I wish there wasn't a hell, but, you know, I'm not God. And, uh, but it has what, what's the answer to your question is to know that as sinful and as weak as I am, and I am both, uh, that God's grace is infinitely deeper than any guilt I have. And um, that whatever struggles I have is that God is now with me. I'm not alone. And I would ask your listeners, what, what do you do with your guilt? Um, we all deal with guilt feelings. It's the difference between guilt, objective guilt and guilt feelings, but what do you do with your guilt? And I would just plead with you to, to come to Christ who will forgive you and uh, adopt you as into his family, as his tender sons and daughters. And uh, so, again, not promising a, like some of these health and wealth preachers are, are saying it's, it's not that but he, he does promise that he'll give us an inner peace answer prayers forgive our sins and um, that eternal life begins here on earth um, walking with him moment by moment that's one thing I did not learn when I was growing up Alex was I didn't understand that Christianity is a personal moment by moment relationship with Christ and uh, a lot of people today consider themselves religious but not spiritual because they've been turned off by a traditional religion and uh, but you don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. water you know? I think one of the main uh, attractions about ghosts is there's such a yearning for spiritual reality. And I know from experience just how um, electric the, the air literally can become when you're having a paranormal encounter. And uh, the devil knows that. And um, so please, please avoid false promises and look to God because not all that glitters is gold in the paranormal realm but Jesus is the real deal uh, the high king of heaven and the true God mm. so, well really you. really well said Mark and very powerful um, and I I cannot thank you enough for for joining us today Mark as I, and I've told you privately that your book uh, played it it just a monumental role for for me finding christ uh i i had heard you on an interview uh, a few years back and i found out about your book and i got the book and i had put it on the shelf for a couple years and uh god had kind of aligned it in such a way that i i listened to the or i, or I read the book at just the right time uh in my in my spiritual journey where maybe i was a little bit more open to uh the christian worldview because at the time i was i was heavily involved in in the new age and and the way that you present your argument in the book from 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 so many different vantage points that I've never seen before. And I had again, I've, I've done thousands of hours of research in the paranormal before 
Uh, I had heard of, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of ghost experiences, and I had never heard uh, the ghost phenomenon presented in the way that you presented this book. And it was very eye opening. Uh, it just, it just absolutely incredible. And just very thankful that, that you wrote the book. And uh, I know that there are, are other people um, who, if they were to read it, it, it's very likely that they would, if, if not having the same experience as I, as I had, at least it, uh, they would be thankful. And I think they would be thankful for having uh, a resource that gives them the opportunity to see this, this uh, ghost phenomenon through a different lens than, than they, they might not otherwise see it. So I just, I really, uh, I, I'm indebted to you, Mark, and just want to say thank you so much for, for writing this book. And, uh, you know, it just, it just, oh, me, it means welcome. the world to me. I, I, yeah. That's very, very kind of you, Alex. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm, I'm humbled and happy that it, uh, it had that effect and I'm very grateful. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so as we, as we wrap up here, um, are you, are you currently working on anything else or, um, uh, are you, do you have any other projects right now? Because I'm going to go ahead and give your YouTube out, which has a lot of really good resources in regards to what we're talking about right now and the paranormal and, and ghosts, but also Mark has some really good, uh, uh, I would say like apologetic resources and just really good resources on Christianity in general. And uh, he's very knowledgeable about about uh, obviously Christianity and a lot a lot of good material there. So I'll go ahead and put that put that on the screen for it so that we can see for those of us that are for those of you that are watching. Yeah, anything else that Mark right now that you got in the pipeline? Well, there's there there are actually a couple of hundred um, blogs that I've written on various paranormal topics that I need to unlock. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of A Weber, but um, I use them because they, as kind of a storage house and also to help send out emails to people or the blogs. But right now they're kind of, I need to, I just, I need to unlock it. Um, I, um, well, I got, I got to pay some money <laughs> to, yeah. to, to get access to them. And uh, so people can, can uh, you know, have access to them. But to, what I would like to do um, is, I'd like to take the information that I've gathered regarding residual energy, um, which I have on YouTube now as, a, I think, a 10-part series, something like that, and uh, condense it into a book and uh, mm. try to do, do some more research on it. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not a scientist, but um, I, uh, I do know how to, because of being trained in philosophy and logic, I do know how to understand uh, an argument, you know? Yeah. So anyway, um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a project that I, I should get involved in because I'm on disability right now. So I've got uh -huh. a lot of time on my hands. Yeah. And well, uh, so in addition to my book, that's, that's about it, I guess, bro. Well, that's awesome. Um, I, I think uh, a lot of people would really appreciate that book. I have uh, your YouTube uh, uh, URL up on the screen. I'll go ahead and just just uh, state it uh, for people that are listening. So it's just going to be youtube.com slash user slash M as in Mary, H-U-N as in Nancy, N as in Nancy, E as in Ed, A-B as in boy, L-E. And uh, you can also just type in uh, Mark, uh, 
Hunneman into YouTube and, and, and uh, his YouTube account will, will come up as well. And uh, the, once again, the book is Seeing Ghosts Through God's Eyes. And Mark, I, I assume you can get it any, anywhere books are sold or really am, Amazon.com, right? That's a, that's a resource that we can get the book or these, uh, excuse me, the listeners can get the book. Yes, yes. Uh, okay. That's that's a, I think the primary uh, resource is, is uh -huh. Amazon, um, and you can get it in a, um, a Kindle version, <clears throat> which obviously is a lot cheaper. So yeah. whatever you prefer. So um, thank you for for pl plugging the book, and um, it's it's useful um, for like you said, just for learning how to think worldviewishly. And then applying it to the issue of uh, of ghosts, and I'm I'm just grateful um, that that thought came to me because it helped to unearth questions that I otherwise wouldn't wouldn't have thought to ask. Yeah, because yeah. Um, you know, people ask what is a what is a Christian worldview, and maybe I'll just kind of end with this: a Christian worldview answers questions like this: What is the nature of God? What is your purpose in life? What is the nature of reality? What's the nature of history? What is the basis for morality? What are the essential traits of being human? And what happens to us after we die? You put all those together, and it's sort of like glasses. You know, it's the glasses through which we see things. And the more our, our glasses um, are attuned and dusted off by God's word, the more we're thinking clearly God's thoughts after him, the more clearly we see reality. But the less, the less we see the Bible through the lens of scripture, then the more distortion there's going to be. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's a, that's a great analogy. We all analogy. have worldviews, whether we're conscious of them or not. Yeah. 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 That's a great, that's a great way to put it. Um, and then Mark was also gracious enough to su supply his email just in case anybody wanted to get in contact with him uh, as it relates to this topic. And I'll, I'll go ahead and read that as well for the listeners. So that's just going to be M is in Mary, H U N is in Nancy, N is in Nancy, E is in Ed at AOL.com. Um, so thanks again, Mark, for, for supplying that. And uh, just thank you again for uh, for your time today. Uh, you were very gracious with your time, and you and, and and you shared so much valuable information. And again, I think it's from a perspective that we're we're, we're unfortunately uh, not given very much when it comes to the, the paranormal community at large. So um, I'm just so thankful that you took the time today to 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 share your knowledge with us. And uh, I, I'm really looking forward to having you back again here soon where we can delve a little bit deeper into a couple other topics. And one of them is going to be the, re the residual energy topic that I know that you're so knowledgeable about. Thank you, Mark. Well, Alex, thank you. As, as, as I told you, it's been a long time. So I just really, really appreciate this opportunity to, to be with you and your audience. And I um, just want to say God bless you and your audience. And, um, I hope and pray that uh, this discussion will will help you. And uh, I, I don't want to come across as a know-it-all. There's there's a lot of stuff I don't know. And um, um, but to the extent that where the Bible speaks clearly, then it's just wonderful to be able to stand on that rock. But um, Alex, like I said, it's been years. So thank you for the for the um, immense privilege of being with you today, and look forward to being with you again.
So uh, it's my pleasure. Well, that's it for this week, everybody. Um, just want to remind you to please check out our Facebook group as well. It's just Spirit Answers, and uh, it's a place where you can also share your testimony. And we always are talking about the supernatural as it relates to Christianity over there. Uh, we'd really love to have you. And don't forget to share your testimony with us at our email so you can come on the show, spiritanswerspodcast at gmail.com. Um, I hope that you have a great week. I will be praying for you, and I will see you next week. Take care.